My name is Nicholas Haskins, and over the past 40 years, I have fallen in love with creating in my kitchen. I believe in scratch cooking, fresh ingredients, and positive energy. Join me on this culinary journey as we discuss the weekend food, and I break down a recipe step-by-step for you to make it home. Welcome to Nikolai's Kitchen. Good morning. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Nikolai's Kitchen. How are you guys today? I hope that you're doing absolutely amazing as this holiday season ramps up, and I want to thank everyone so, so much for listening. If you're new to the show, welcome. I'm Nick, and welcome to my kitchen. If you're someone who's been downloading all along, thank you. I appreciate so, so much you taking the opportunity to listen to me talk about food and about my continuing journey with food, which is going to be something we're going to get into a lot this episode because this week has been a journey. (laughs) I really, really do appreciate everybody taking the time to listen to the show. I really do appreciate everyone over on Patreon who supports the show. Thank you so, so much. You guys are absolutely amazing. This month's Patreon episode and Patreon recipes will be dedicated to chocolate chip cookies and some variations thereof. Make sure you sign up over at patreon.com slash Nikolai's Kitchen if you're interested. And I have a ton of Christmas cookies in my house right now. They are absolutely everywhere and they are going into boxes to go out to patrons of the show very, very shortly. So thank you so, so much. You are all so amazing. I really, really appreciate all of your amazing support. And I love just there's something so satisfying about being in the kitchen and about just making all these cookies and just knowing that people all over the country are going to get to enjoy them. That is so amazing to me. It's so absolutely incredible to me. So thank you so, so much to all of my top tier patrons. And I hope, I hope that you enjoy because by the time you hear this episode, you'll have probably already gotten and eaten all of your Christmas cookies. (laughs) I want to get into something right now. As we get into this week in food, as we get into the positivity for the week, uh, I want to talk about failing. It's okay to fail, guys. This week in food and and positivity and and all these kinds of things, this is all going to kind of be wrapped in together because I have had a week. 
I have had a week. I decided earlier in the week I wanted wraps and I was going to just enjoy like a whole bunch of wraps. So I bought a whole bunch of wraps. I bought some chicken breast and I bought baby spinach. Well, I always have spinach anyway for my smoothies. Stay tuned for next week's episode, by the way, smoothies. I'm actually going to go into my entire smoothie thing as we're kicking up and we're ramping up the holiday season. Everybody's eating more sugary treats and big meals and all those kinds of things. I want to back it off a little bit and talk about healthy foods. So next week's featured recipe breakdown will be for my smoothies that I do, my meal replacement smoothies that I do at least once a day. But I wanted some wraps. They have baby spinach, tomatoes, onions, all those different things. And do you guys, are you good at wrapping things? I mean, in terms of gifts, maybe. Were you good at wrapping wraps like food? Because I'm terrible at it. And I think the problem is, and I, and I was kind of trying to suss this out over the week, I think I just pack way too much stuff into the wraps so that I can never <laughs> get them to, like, wrap up nice and tightly. Now, I've been practicing. I think I did, like, four of them over the course of the week, and they did progressively get better. But I posted over on social media. Make sure you're following me at Nikolai's Kitchen on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. I posted... <laughs> The first one I did, it like it just looked like the, like the whole side of it just had an absolute blowout. You know, there was so much stuff. I just packed way too much stuff into this thing. Now, it was still very good. I had homemade aioli rocking in there and homemade mustard. I'm going to be talking about those very, very soon. I'm thinking sometime maybe either toward the very end of December or the beginning of the year next year is when I'm going to get into those. Because, man... That has been a challenge. That has been such a challenge. And I mean, it's going to talk more about failure when it comes to the mustard side of things, especially. I'm really eager to give mustard another crack, though. And aioli has actually been working really, really well for me. So I'll talk about that a little bit more in the coming weeks on the show. But I just kept at it. I kept at wrapping and, you know, eventually I was able to get that nice, you get that nice cross cut and you kind of just line them up together and then you just kind of look at them together and it's like, oh, that wrap actually looks really, really good. And I finally think I got there, but it took a while. <laughs> like it wasn't, it wasn't like an instantaneous thing. It wasn't like an immediate thing. But before I started the show, like sometime this summer, I got hardcore into baking bread. You guys make homemade bread? Have you ever attempted homemade bread? Especially if you don't have a stand mixer, which makes the process much more laborious, but also a, there's a rewarding factor to it as well because you get a good forearm workout. Like you're really sitting there, really working that dough, really kneading that dough, and it's kind of amazing. But bread making has been something that's been an ongoing struggle for me. I have made it numerous times in the past with a couple of different recipes where I thought it turned out really, really well. And there have been other times, other times, when I have failed. And this past uh, weekend was no exception. Rebecca was here, and I had mentioned, I can't remember exactly where this was. It was, I think, uh, uh, my good friend Gerald from the show Two Piece on a Podcast, he's doing an episode about sandwiches. And he asked everybody what their favorite sandwich was. And I said French dip because I love French dip. But similar to French onion soup, you can really, really tell a place by how good their French dip is personally. Like I, I believe that personally. So usually 
for a, a good period of like nine to 12 months or so, whenever I saw French dip on a menu, I ordered it because I wanted to know how good it was. And I think I had in that time, one French dip that I would call great or amazing. There were some okay ones and there were some that was just like dipping a, you know, stale loaf of bread with tough beef into water that has a beefy flavor to it. Just not good. Just, just not good. So for the longest time, I kind of, it was one of those things. I just kind of put it out of mind. You know, just didn't even really think about it. But after I mentioned that, I really wanted to make French dip and I really wanted to make it with my own homemade bread. So I decided to whip up my sandwich bread and I decided to make like, you know, little uh, rolls, little like sub roll type things. And if you ever want to get frustrated, if you ever want to like pull out your hair, Google kneading homemade bread because you will find answers, you know, like giving information about like, how long do I need it for? What do I do? Etc. You will find such a wide variety of answers in such a vast swath of time frames. I found times anywhere from 10 minutes to a half an hour kneading it by hand, which are going to produce two vastly different results. But most people, you know, the consensus is, is you're going to know you're going to know when bread gets to that point that you need it to be at. You're going to be able to pick up a, a, a chunk of it and you're going to be able to just kind of pull on it and it won't tear apart. It'll just stretch and you'll be able to stretch it thin enough that you'll be able to see light through it. It's called the window pane test. So when I kneaded the bread dough, I worked it for normally I'll knead bread dough for seven to 10 minutes. That was what I had been doing up until this point. But I just I was doing a lot of reading. I was doing a lot of research and I was finding all all these other food blogs like the food blogosphere. I've, I've, I've you know, got to talk to them this week. But. I found all these other ones that were like, oh, yeah, it could take up to 25 to 30 minutes. And I'm like, what? <laughs> this seems crazy to me. But I've never successfully done a window pane test on a loaf of bread. So I thought to myself, I'm like, maybe I'm just not working it enough. So I started checking my bread at 10 minutes or so, between 8 to 10 minutes. I started checking it to see if I could stretch it. And it would just break. Oh, it's not It's not right yet. It's not enough. Keep kneading. 12 minutes, 15 minutes, check it. Oh, just rips apart. Keep kneading it. 15, 18, 20 minutes. Still just keeps ripping apart. 22, 25. Still just keeps ripping apart. And I'm just like, you know, you're also doing the poke test to see how much your fingers spring back. And there was at one point, I, I remember this distinctly, there was at one point, probably somewhere in the 12 to 15 minute range where I was doing the poke test and it was actually responding pretty well, springing back pretty well. Never got that window pane though. And so I decided to bake the bread as it was after 25 minutes, let it rise, rose fine, everything rose perfectly fine. Chucked it into my little form pan. I bought like these little half pipes, you know, where it's a, uh, you know, Puts it in the form of sandwich rolls, which doesn't make them flat on the bottom, which is a little bit of a peeve, but otherwise, you know, forms them into these nice kind of sub roll shaped things or these nice kind of baguette shaped loaves. And then I think I accidentally overbaked it because I looked in on it 
when it hit uh, 35 minutes or so, or 30 to 35, I can't remember exactly where it was, but I looked in on it and there was a very, very light brown on the top of it. Like it still needed a little bit more brown on the top of it. Left it in there for another five. And when I took this stuff out, one of my favorite things in the entire world is to pull out fresh, fresh bread and just rip a piece off of it when it's still nice and warm from the oven and just taste oven fresh bread. And the top of this bread was like a cracker. It seriously tasted just like a cracker. Like I think honestly, this was a combination of overworking the bread and over baking it. I think it got both. And then <laughs> when I was making the French dip sandwiches, like my kitchen was just absolutely torn apart doing these cookies. I had cookie stuff literally everywhere. I had to move all my appliances out of the kitchen, all my little countertop things. And I had stuff spread everywhere. And I had these loaves of bread that I kept moving around. I'm like, oh, these things are in the way. So I chucked them in the oven to get them out of my way. And then I turned on the oven to preheat to make cookies. So not only did the bread get overbaked, then a day later it got baked again for like another 15 minutes. It was crumbly in the interior, like parts of it. Like I said, there, like there were parts of it that were literally as hard as and kind of the same density and texture and even flavor of a cracker. Like it really reminded me of like saltine crackers. I just, I failed, guys. I failed hardcore. It just did not turn out. And it got to the point where when I was eating those French dip sandwiches, which I want to talk more about because we want to talk about failure. Oh, it did not turn out good. Bread making is something that I've really, really taken to and I really, really love it. And I want to learn so much more about it and I want to keep doing it and I want to keep trying. But yeah, whatever, whatever sites I was reading that say, and maybe it's just because I'm like, I'm a, I'm a decent sized guy with some decent arm strength. Like, you know, maybe it was, you know, somebody who doesn't have the same amount of arm strength or somebody who can't work a big ball of dough like I can that had written those instructions. I don't necessarily know. That's why I kept checking it. But it's, it's kind of frustrating to me that I read so many different things and, you know, you range from answers of there's no time to give you, like, I can't give you a time that it'll take to, like I said, anywhere from 10 to 30 minutes, which is such a wide, like vast thing. But I was always worried. I'm like, maybe I'm just not working this enough because I'm not getting it to that stretchy consistency where you can do that window pane test. So I don't know. I really, I really don't know. So I've got to do some more research and I've got to take it back. But positivity, guys, I mean, it's, it seems like a negative kind of thing, right? It seems like it's all, it's, it's a lot of negatives, but don't fear failure. And I know that's tough. And I know that that's, you know, it, it gets into your head a little bit and you're just frustrated. Like I've made much better breads than that one. I know I have. And you're going to try things in your life at different points in time. You're going to try to make French dip sandwiches that are just not going to come out how you envisioned them. You're going to try and you're going to fail sometimes. And it's okay. It's okay because failing is not the same as giving up. And as long as you don't give up, as long as you keep the dream and as long as you keep in your head this idea that everybody does, everybody gets it wrong sometimes. 
Everybody messes up sometimes. I am sure I just way overworked that bread. You know, and maybe maybe my dough wasn't like the right consistency. I've been reading a lot of stuff about not measuring bread, not measuring bread making by volume, measuring it by weight, which is another issue that I mentioned before on the show where I didn't measure something properly. Like when I was making the ganache, I believe. It's one of those things where we are constantly learning. We are so constantly learning in this life and in this world. Do not give up. If you fail, embrace it, own it. Step up to the plate and say, yeah, this was not the best effort. This could have been so much better. But I will be better next time. I will do better next time and try again. I can't wait to try to make bread again. I love to make bread. I love like making like a grilled cheese and tomato soup. Like when you do homemade tomato soup, I'll talk about that in some some future episode, I'm sure. Whenever I make it again, I haven't made it in a little while. But whenever I make that homemade tomato soup again uh, from the Kitchen Counter podcast, which was a podcast I listened to once upon a time. I don't even know if it still exists. I think it does. But even if it doesn't, his recipe for roasted tomato soup is amazing. And I've adapted and I've added like a whole bunch of different things to it and done a lot of different things to it at this point. The point is, it's okay to fail. Just don't get into, just don't wallow. Just don't beat yourself up. Just don't give up. Don't walk away. Keep trying, keep reading, keep learning and keep working. And eventually with enough hard work, you'll get there. (laughs) You'll get there. And I kind of say that I'm thinking to myself, I'm talking about bread, but I'm talking about everything. Like that's everything that I've ever done in my life. You know, like I have written things that have not done well. I have attempted things that have just not gone well. Like I have failed a lot in my life. But I can't give up. I can't give up because it's not worth it to give up. You have to keep believing in yourself. You have to keep believing that you can do this. And I promise you, you can. I want to talk a little bit more about this week in food with those French dip sandwiches, as I mentioned, because they play right into this same theme as well. I love, love French dip. So I bought myself a big chuck steak. And one of my favorite things for beef bases is better than bouillon. And I love it. And I've talked about it on this show before. I will talk about it again. Because whenever I need to do anything where I need some kind of base that I haven't made myself. Like I love to make my own chicken and turkey stock. But even still for Thanksgiving, like I supplemented the gravy with some of that better than bouillon. Just, you know, bumped it up. Just beefed it up a little bit. Beefed it up with turkey? Yeah. (laughs) Turkeyed it up? I don't know. Whenever I have to get something that's not better than bouillon, my dish suffers for it, I feel. So I chucked, you know, the chuck steak. I seared it really well on both sides, and I did some onion. I did some garlic. I threw a couple big dollops of homemade mustard in there. I can't wait to talk to you guys about mustards. But like I said, talking about failure, there's a lot, a lot left to learn about making homemade mustards especially. 
I threw some of that in there. I threw some of this, you know, it was like a, a, a grass fed organic beef base. And I threw, you know, some red wine and a couple other different elements. And, you know, food blogosphere, can we talk for a moment? I look at different recipes for French dip because I wanted to kind of get a good assessment for how much liquid should be in the crock pot. Because you obviously want a good amount of jus because you're going to be dipping the sandwich in it ostensibly. So many recipes that I looked through, like so many different recipes that I was reading, all want a can of Coke. A can... What? Like, I don't... Especially a beef dish. Like, I don't understand why you're adding all these, like, saltier elements, like Worcestershire. You're adding soy sauce. You're adding all these different things. Why? Why Coke? Like, if you want a little bit of sweetness, like maybe when you're opening up the onions, because onions are obviously a little bit sweeter. I did a little bit of brown sugar, like just about a tablespoon in the whole crockpot, but a, a whole can of Coke in a crockpot? Like, that's just going to taste way too sweet to me. I don't, I saw that on a number of different recipes all across, like all different food blogs. Like I said, I just wanted to get a good idea of how much liquid I should have in there. But I wanted something that was more reminiscent of the flavor of my French onion soup because I love that flavor. That by itself, like all I really should have done is made French onion soup and just dipped a sandwich in it. And honestly, I think next time I make this, I'm going to do exactly that because the broth that I ended up making, I don't know what it was. I don't know if it was just the, the different combinations of things. Maybe it was the omission of Coke. It wasn't the omission of Coke. I promise you it wasn't. But I don't know. I don't know. I, I I literally just don't know what it was. And it didn't help that I was serving it on the bread rolls that I was. Just not good. It just, ugh, no, it just wasn't good at all. Like that bread was just terrible. I scraped off the meat and just was dunking the meat and everything into the Jew because I just, I did not like the bread at all. So I don't know. I, I, I don't know 100% what it was, but it definitely, I mean, it missed aromatics. I didn't have any fresh thyme or fresh rosemary, fresh parsley, anything like that. I didn't have any fresh aromatics. And the dish needed something light. It needed some kind of crisp or crunch element. I was actually talking to Rebecca about it. And, you know, I was thinking maybe some arugula, maybe some scallions or something like that. Something where you're going to get a fresh pop in this because it was very, very heavy. And it just didn't have the beef flavor that I wanted. So I tried and I failed. I completely failed. And, and now I got to take this back to, to workshop it. And I got to not make it again without better than bullion, first of all, because I know the base was the key. The base of French onion soup is the key. Whenever I make French onion soup, like I've made it with other things that aren't better than bullion and it just doesn't have the flavor that I want. So I know what I have to do to get it there. But yeah, that French dip, failure. But I will not give up because it is my favorite sandwich. When it's right, when it is right, right. And I love watching like those food shows where they have like the whole giant sandwich in the tongs and they just dunk the whole thing in like this big vat of jus and then put it on a plate and you just got this sandwich that's just been swimming in this decadent broth. Like, oh, that to me is just absolute heaven. I will not give up on a French dip. The first time I ever made French dip was for restaurant when I did that back in the day. And this, at least the chuck steak, it cooked up so, so good. About four hours into the crock pot, I took it out and I let it rest for a little bit. And then I sliced it really thin against the grain, tossed it back in there. Oh, it was so unbelievably tender. 
Like the me itself was like, it knocked it out of the park. It's just everything else that was around it just didn't quite cut the mustard. But don't give up guys. That's the, that's the ultimate thing that I want to emphasize here is don't give up. Don't let one failure control the way that you approach something. Don't let one failure control the way that you, you know, treat something or whatever the case may be. Yeah, I said it. <laughs> Just don't give up. That's ultimately what I want to say, because this was not a good week in food for me. This absolutely was not a good week in food for me. So like I had all this kind of on my mind as I was going into making Christmas cookies and I was like, oh, please let these Christmas cookies turn out. But the Christmas cookies I know I have made a number of times in the past and I have tried different things with them. And I tried some different things with all of these this year. So over on Patreon, like I said, I'm going to talk about the chocolate chip cookies. So sign up over there. If you have not, that's going to be the bonus episode and everything for this month. But we're going to talk in just a few moments. We're going to take a break. I'm going to tell you all about apple cinnamon cookies. This was something that I completely just tried out of left field. Like I don't even, I, I still don't even know. Like it just, the idea just came to me when I was at the grocery store. I was just like, I saw apples. I was like, oh, this sounds like such a great idea. And then I had no idea how to pull it off. None. So I want to go through all my processes. I want to talk to you guys about how I put it together right after this. Welcome back, everyone. Thank you so, so much for tuning in to another episode of Nikolai's Kitchen. If you haven't had the chance yet, head down to the show notes, find that Apple Podcast link, head over there, please, and give me a rating and a review. It would really, really help the show out. It would really, really help me out, and I would really, really appreciate it. I didn't think about it last time I recorded the show. Granted, my release schedule versus my recording schedule is a bit wonky. I'm recording stuff all over the place and chucking it in here and there and everywhere. But I didn't think about it, but I decided, you know, kind of in the 11th hour to do a giveaway for Patreon. And that's something I'm going to do periodically, especially whenever I have these Patreon only loot boxes going out every quarter. My top tier patrons are going to get something homemade from my kitchen and one lucky person out there, you know, I'm going to give it away. And this time it's going to be Christmas cookies. So congratulations to whomever won that. I don't know who won that yet because I'm not going to decide that until tomorrow as of recording day. But by the time this airs, you guys have already gotten your cookies and probably eaten them all. <laughs> I know mine are probably gone by the time I'm listening to this back into, you know, the actual release. But I wanted to talk very specifically about 
apple cinnamon cookies. But I can't talk to you about apple cinnamon cookies without taking a little trip back in time to my own childhood. One of my favorite cookies that my mom and my dad always used to make were jumbo raisin cookies. Jumbo raisin cookies because, I mean, these things were massive. Now, you're talking like the diameter of a softball, if not larger, on a plate. One time when I made them for my sister, you know, quite a few years ago now, but I made them for my sister one time and it was literally the entire size of a paper plate. (laughs) I love jumbo raisin cookies. They are so, so good. Raisins are a divisive kind of thing, though. Some people really love raisins. Some people not so much. So I didn't want to make raisin cookies to send out to patrons to send out and, and, you know, just to have for myself. I wanted to try something different. And I love apples, and I love apple, cinnamon, whatever. Just you name it, I love it. <laughs> you talk about, like, go over to Patreon and, and, and check out the tart apple pie with the cookie crust. Like, I absolutely love, love, love apples. So I wanted to do some kind of apple cinnamon cookie. I had this idea, but then I had no idea how to execute it. And I thought about, you know, well, maybe if I take my chocolate chip cookie recipe and kind of try to adapt it to apple. I'm like, no, 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 that, that, that doesn't work. This needs a cakier because my, my chocolate chip cookies, they have like a little crisp to the outer edge and they got like a little softness in the middle, but they're not cakey at all because they are mostly shortening and butter. These, I wanted to be a little bit cakier and I was like, wow, what can I do? What can I do to achieve that? And I thought to myself, and then it hit me, jumbo raisin cookies. They have this nice sugar crust to them. They are deliciously moist and cakey. And they have raisins in them. What if I just adapt this recipe and take out the raisins and put in some apples? And I got to tell you, now it needs a little bit. It's about 95% of the way there, if I'm being 100% honest. I think it is most of the way there. I think it just needs a little bit of a boost in a different direction. I think it just needs a little bit of a boost to get it all the way over the finish line. I'll talk about that when I get into the actual recipe breakdown. But these things turned out exactly as I'd envisioned them. They are cakey, moist, delicious with a good apple cinnamon flavor, which is every single thing that I had wanted. So let's get into the breakdown. For these, you're going to need at least two cups. I think I honestly had probably around two and a half cups of finely chopped apples, but hey, two cups. You're going to need two tablespoons of white sugar, and you're going to need some lemon juice. Basically, the juice of one lemon is what I ended up going with here. You're going to need a half a cup of chopped pecans if desired. I did not use them this time around because I wanted to make sure I had nailed this actual cookie first. You need a half a cup of softened unsalted butter. That's one stick. You need a half a cup of white sugar, a cup of light brown sugar, three eggs, three quarters of a teaspoon of vanilla extract, two and a half cups of AP flour all-purpose, two teaspoons of baking soda, two teaspoons of baking powder, a teaspoon of salt, a tablespoon of cinnamon, a quarter of a teaspoon of nutmeg, a quarter of a teaspoon of allspice, and maybe some cloves to taste. And then you're going to want to set aside separately a half of a cup of dark brown sugar. So you'll notice I did white sugar in there twice, and that's because Your apples, and I thought about this when I was thinking about it. When we make jumbo raisin cookies, we boil the raisins to soften them before we put them in the cookie. So that way, you know, they they don't, 
You know, you're not eating like this hard raisin inside of this cookie. And I thought to myself, I'm like, how can I put apples in this cookie? Because there's so much water in apples. So, so much water. And I don't want these cookies to be soggy. So what I did was I took the apples, finely chopped them up, did the two tablespoons of white sugar, and then I squeezed some lemon juice over them. Basically, you just want to prevent them from browning. And then I just set them aside. And like while I was making the other cookies all throughout the day, these apples were just sitting here. And that sugar, what it's going to do is it's going to draw the water out of your apples. So I let that sit there for, I would recommend a couple of hours at least, but I let it sit there for probably like four or five hours. Like they were just like water, 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 ever. And you can pour a decent amount of water out after you leave it for a, a good while. You really, really can. And then you're going to want to get everything together. When it's time to make your cookies, you're going to take your butter and your sugars and you're going to kind of mix those together. Then you're going to want to add your eggs one at a time, mixing them until they're incorporated. Your butter isn't really enough. Like in this recipe, like the chocolate chips and stuff that I make, you definitely cream that together a lot better. And it definitely comes together in a creamy texture a lot easier because there's so much more butter and fat to those. But this, you're just going to add the butter and sugars. Just mix those together. Then one at a time, eggs in, mix it until it's incorporated. Add your vanilla and add your apples. Mix all that together, set it aside. Get a separate bowl, combine your flour, your baking soda, baking powder, your salt, and all of your spices, whisk them together in a separate bowl. So then basically you're going to just a little bit at a time, just probably like a quarter of it at a time, add your dry mixture into your wet mixture, stirring as you go, stirring as you go. And then this is going to form a really, really tacky cookie dough, okay? Finish this off, get your oven preheated to 375 degrees. And then basically you're going to want to take just a, just a little teaspoon. Like that's all I really do is I just get kind of take a teaspoon and I just take a, like a big clump of it. You want something that's roughly the size of a walnut, like a, like a big clump that's roughly the size of a shelled walnut in terms of cookie dough. And then just scoop it on the spoon and then just drop it into a bowl. Cause you're going to have that half a cup of dark brown sugar that you've set aside and you're just going to roll it in dark brown sugar. If you don't have dark brown sugar, do it in some kind of sugar because it's going to give a nice kind of sugary crunch to the exterior of this cookie. And then you're going to bake it for 10 to 13 minutes or until they're set and the cookies are starting to brown on the top. Take them out, let them cool, and you are done. Now, I had mentioned that I wanted to workshop a couple of things about this recipe. I really wonder what the nuts would change about this recipe. I really think adding some pecans, a softer nut in here, I think would really add a lot to it. The cinnamon content, I way increased because when I wrote the recipe initially and I was looking at it, I was like, no, there's no, absolutely. Because it was like a quarter of a tablespoon of cinnamon, which is a ludicrously low amount of cinnamon for this much cookie dough, especially when you want a prominent cinnamon flavor. So when I made them yesterday, I was having Rebecca help me and, you know, she was combining all the dry ingredients and stuff. And she looked at the amount of cinnamon. And she's like, is that enough cinnamon? Do you want that much cinnamon? Or whatever the case may be. Oh, I said it again. <laughs> and, you know, we just looked at it and it was like, yeah. And I just grabbed the cinnamon thing and I just upended it into the batch. I was just like, why did I write that so low? Why did I write so little for that? Like, it doesn't even make sense to me why I would have put that little of an amount of cinnamon. Like in this big, like this makes about three dozen cookies. So a quarter of a tablespoon of cinnamon, like, no, I want cinnamon. I want 
cinnamon. Honestly, if I'm making this again, I was thinking as well, like what are some ways that you can kind of bump up the apple flavor in this? And I really think if you incorporated some applesauce into this, like we had a whole bunch of apples, like I bought a whole bag of apples and we actually turned it into applesauce uh, that I sent home with Rebecca for her daughter because her daughter really loves applesauce. So I just, you know, threw that into a pot with a little bit of sugar and some water and just let it cook down until it was nice and mushy and boom. But I think if you take some applesauce, make some homemade applesauce and you can do this while your apples are just sitting with the sugar in there while the water is being pulled out of those, you can make some applesauce and you can toss, say, a half a cup of applesauce into this batter. Now, you're obviously going to want to increase your flour as well because you're probably going to need, I would say, in the neighborhood of like two and three quarter, like maybe add a quarter of a cup of flour to a half a cup of applesauce. I haven't really worked out exactly the ratios yet because, like I said, this was already really tacky and if you're adding another wet ingredient to it, like you need to compensate for it somewhere on the other side. But I really think that it would add so much more to this dish to have that apple in there. Like, just more apple flavor. I think it's really going to bump it up. This was just the first time on these. Like I said, this is largely an adaptation of that jumbo raisin cookie recipe all the way back from when I was a kid. And I just kind of did a little flourish on it. And I love that it came out so, so well. I love that it came out as well as it did. You patrons, you, you let me know, please, how you enjoyed these. Did you enjoy these cookies? Did they turn out really, really good? Like, I think that there's a little bit of room for improvement. Like I said, they're 90 to 95%. But I think that they turned out really, really well. So going back to, like, the positivity message from today's episode and all those things, even when you succeed, and I think these were, like, immeasurable success compared like I had no idea what I was doing when I thought about making these cookies and I just kind of was able to workshop this whole thing together don't give up going back to today's positivity message for today's show even when you succeed keep at it these were mostly a success these were very very good but I still think they can be better keep working we can always improve we can always get better and that is going to do it for this episode of Nikolai's Kitchen. The holidays are very, very fast approaching. I'm so excited for New Year's because I get to make my prime rib. I cannot wait. I love to do prime rib. And I didn't get a chance to do it last year, unfortunately. So I'm really, really excited to chuck another one of those bad boys in the oven with a nice butter shell over it. Oh, absolutely, absolutely cannot wait. Let me know what you're doing this holiday season. Let me know what you've been cooking. Let me know what you've been baking. Let me know if you've been doing your own kind of holiday things. Again, follow me on social media at Nikolai's Kitchen on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Please follow me. And, you know, basically it's just going to be a whole lot of food pictures. I'm really like my food photography, I think is getting better. But what I need to be better at doing is putting some kind of contrasting color or element on the plate to really make it stand out because I, <laughs> I just, <laughs> I just feel like it doesn't, it doesn't look, you know, as appealing unless I add some kind of contrasting element, but I've been really bad at remembering to do that in in the past. So I got to be more cognizant about that. And I really want to build like a food photography box that I could just put a plate into and just boop, take a good picture of it without having to move it around or without having to hold it because the lighting in my apartment's weird. Just one of those things that I'm constantly trying to improve on, constantly trying to get better on. I hope... That wherever you are and whatever you're doing in life, that 
You're just constantly working to be a better version of yourself and that you're constantly working to be better than you were the day before. Because that's all I ever try to do. That's all I ever want is to just be better than I was the day before. Thank you so, so much for listening. Thank you so, so much for taking the time to just be a part of this journey. I love you guys so, so much. You guys are so amazing. Thank you so much for coming on this journey with me. Thank you.